Hello, you're listening to Which Moving Pictures Move Us, and I'm your host, Emma Bolzner. Today, we will be talking about the highly acclaimed Netflix limited series called The Queen's Gambit, based off of the book by Walter Tevis and starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Thomas Brody Sangster, Marielle Heller, and Henry Melling. And with me virtually is my good friend, Hannah. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming back. Oh, of course. It's always a fun time. (laughs) So for those of you who haven't seen this show, um, it takes place mainly in the 60s, focusing on the chess prodigy and eventual chess genius, Beth Harmon, played by Anya Taylor-Joy, with flashbacks of her life living in an orphanage in the 50s. We see her play her first game of chess with the school's janitor to present day in the 60s, when she eventually becomes the greatest chess player of all time. However, Beth is not a happy person and is is a struggling addict and alcoholic and her fast entry into worldwide fame isn't helping. She misses out on just being a kid and a teenager and as many childhood stars probably can relate to, she misses out on finding out who she really is as a person without a chessboard in front of her. Will Beth be able to overcome her inner demons when competing against the greatest Russian player of all time? I guess we'll have to see. So, Hannah, what do we think of Netflix's The Queen's Gambit? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I've watched this series twice now. I watched it first in November at the request of my father because he also watched it in uh, around that time and said, Hannah, you have to watch this. Because I'd seen the trailer and I was like, yeah, okay, I might check it out. But I knew if my dad liked it, I would want to check it out. And since then, I've rewatched it and... It's so interesting, and it's incredibly, incredibly well done, from the cast to the production design to the chess choreography itself is so intriguing to watch. I never thought chess could be so riveting. I just think it was superbly well done and absolutely worthy of all of the praise that has been shunted its way. Yeah, I, like I was going to ask you, actually, um, do you, have you ever played chess? I, (laughs) like many people, I started to, like, sort of pick stuff up after my first run with the Queen's Gambit. Yeah. Uh, I started, you know, I I have an account on chess.com. I'm not afraid to say it. I've I've done a little bit of playing there just, like, against the computer where I know I can win because it gives me hints. I played a couple games against Christina uh, over the Christmas break just because we were we started watching the show over Christmas break, and so we played a little bit. And those didn't go great for me <laughs> because I wasn't getting any hints. Yeah. Um, so I lost pretty spectacularly. But I have... I, I, I've never, it's never been something that I've really been interested in before. It's always been something that I've been like, yeah, I don't have the brain to even <laughs> think about the moves like two in advance or even one in advance. But I'm, I've definitely started picking up picking it up more and more since the show came out because it's just so fascinating. Yeah, it is a really interesting game, and I, I, I've never really played it before, but watching this show now, you know, it's so captivating on screen, I, and I know I'll never be as good, but it's, it's really interesting, and it's interesting how um, people have just started buying chess boards now in, in lockdown, and, 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 you know, being so fascinated by this because this show has so much influence over it, and um, I really wanted to do this one because uh, it won Best Limited Series at the Golden Globes, and Anya Taylor-Joy won uh, Best Actress as well, so that was also very interesting. 
Yeah, no, I love, I love, love, loved Ani Taylor-Joy in this. I just haven't really watched her in anything else before. I keep meaning to watch the the version of Emma that she was in <laughs> last year that came out right when the pandemic hit, but I still haven't. Um, but I know she looked great in that, and she was absolutely fantastic here. So I feel like I need to go back through what she's been in so I can watch her do her stuff again and I'm really hoping that she does more very soon because I want to see more from her yeah and she's so young like she's gonna have a really long career I can like Mm -hmm. she's she's very good in this but I think that my favorite part of this show um the most captivating captivating part for me was definitely the costumes and the set design Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The the production design on Netflix series are always is always very good because they have so much money that they can toss at stuff. Yeah. But the way that there was such a clearly defined color palette for each sort of section of Beth's life was so interesting. And you're probably gonna mention this the the fact that the the check patterns and line patterns continuously come up for Beth is so intriguing. I just knocked my mic. Oops. <laughs> um, but it's, it's so intriguing. Uh, it's so cleverly done. And I, I think my favorite, my favorite thing that they do is the way that they transform Anya Taylor-Joy from this scrawny little teenager into the Beth Harmon we see at the end of the show with simple makeup changes and a different wig. Or a slightly yeah. different wig. I know, it's almost like a different person from that second episode, because the first episode is mainly just the younger version of Beth, but like the second episode on is is Annie Taylor-Joy, but she looks so different with the bangs in the second episode to the, the final episode. It's amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Person. Yeah, I remember seeing a video where Anya Taylor-Joy talked about the different wigs because there are the three main ones. And the way that they differentiated between them were Baby Beth, Sexy Kitten, and Glamour Puss. Those were the three that they... (laughs) Those were the three (laughs) distinctions of, like, her journey, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean, she really pulls off the whole 60s look because... You know, there's a lot of young actresses right now, but a lot of them can't do the period as well. And mm-hmm. she just pulls that off really yeah. well. Uh, with the eyeliner makeup. I mean, she has a really a strange eyeliner makeup near the end of the series, but then she goes back to her cat eyes, which I liked. Um, yeah. But she even pulls off the weird eyeliner <laughs> scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really, really enjoyed... Um, any of her looks from sort of the middle of the series where she does the headscarf with her hair uh, and it's sort of like a curled updo yeah. sort of deal, That's those are my favorite looks. Those are my favorite best fashion moments because it just looks so timeless and it looks so good constantly every time. It doesn't ever falter in how good it looks. Yeah, I think, I think that that was my favorite part. I'm, I'm, I have to look, but I... Hope it got not. Oh no, it's not Oscars though. I just wish it. I, I think it deserves like an Oscar best costume <laughs> nomination, even mm-hmm. though it's not a movie. It's so yeah. good. No, it's I a, think it's like a movie. Yeah, it did. It definitely did. It was very like just a long form movie, which is why the limited series format 
works so well. But the other the other fashion moment of Beth that I'm gonna shout out is when she first walks down the aisle of the uh, Russian tournament when she f- does her first walk down where they're introducing all the contestants and the camera follows her as she walks down and she owns that room and it's such a striking moment I remember watching that and just being like I felt my heart in my throat it was just so gorgeously done and I love her final scene in that white outfit I really love that one mm-hmm. a little cheesy to make her a white queen but it works so yeah. perfectly that you can't help but love it yeah so um I guess I gotta ask what did you what was, like, the most captivating thing for you right off the bat? Was it Beth? Uh, I think I think it was the way that they structured the first episode. I, I remember watching the first episode and being a little thrown off by the suddenness of the first scene with adult Beth, but then rewinding back to Beth's childhood. And I got a little concerned because I thought I was worried that we were going to spend a lot of time, like the first and second episode with baby Beth, like baby, baby Beth. But thankfully we didn't. Um, not, and not to say anything against that young Beth actress, because she was very good and it was a very good cast for Annie Taylor joy as a younger person. Um, but I think the way that they structured it was really interesting, just from like, okay, we are going to come back to this moment in Paris, but first we need to see how we got there. Yeah. So we're going to take you right back to the beginning, and we're going to intersperse the moments of Beth's childhood before going to Methuen a little throughout the episodes. But we're going to take you right back to where stuff started and build up to that so that when we come back to this moment, you understand exactly what Beth has gone through to lead her to this moment with the added context of what's come before. And then after that, it's like, you don't know what's going to happen because we've already passed that moment. So where do we go from there? Right, yeah. So I thought when the beginning, like the start when is adult Beth, I thought that that was where we were going to end in the fun. But I like that we kept going from there. That was also a very interesting tactic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a really, really interesting way to structure it. And I haven't read the book, but I would be curious to see if the book also starts in Paris and then works back, or if it starts at a different place, or if it starts right at the beginning of Beth's journey. I'd be very interested to see how the book is structured compared to the TV show. Yeah, that, that would be... Yeah, yeah I, d- I actually hadn't even heard about uh, this before the show. Me neither! Because, yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> not the only one. <laughs> no, certainly not. I feel like this series caught a lot of people off guard, and I feel like something tells me that the sales of the book are through the roof. <laughs> maybe for the first time ever, right? <laughs> yep, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I have to say, it took me a little while to warm up to Beth. Um, I found her, like, young Beth, definitely. I thought at first, I was like, oh my god, she's going to die as a child when she has that whole overdose thing yeah. at the end. And I was like, how the heck could a child survive, like, swallowing all those pills? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she, she manages to. Uh, I just, I found her at first a bit of a flat character. Um, and I, I didn't, I, I had a hard time rooting for her until later on in the series. Um, there yeah. was a bit of a lag for me. I was like, I don't really like her. I didn't really care what happened to her. I was like, yeah, she's just going to win every every um, game. And, and then only kind of after her um, spoilers, her, well, this has been out pretty long now, but uh, her adoptive mother, mother died, did I start kind of um, feeling more compassion towards her. 
Yeah. I think I think when I first I, I definitely didn't take as long to warm up to Beth. I it took me up until I think maybe the third or fourth episode. Um, I think it's in the second or third, actually, where she goes to the apple pie's house and she's like trying to fit in with the other girls and she is not at all. So she like takes the back exit and leaves. Um, I cannot tell you, I haven't been in an, an exact situation like that, but I have often felt like I'm like not necessarily smarter than my peers, but that I'm very different from my peers, especially when I was in that age group. So I, I, I could very much like sort of sympathize with Beth in that moment. And definitely I think when Alma died, it was certainly a moment where I was like, this is going to change Beth's entire trajectory. But I think also I started to feel a bit more compassion for her when she lost that first game to, um, oh, Thomas Brody's character. Oh, yeah, uh, Benny. Benny, yes. When she lost that first game to Benny and she never loses. That was when I I started to really get her, and when I saw how much that aggravated her, I thought I it was it was it, that's what sort of turned her around for me and made me look at her differently. Because if she had just won everything, that would be too easy. Mm-hmm. Um, my one of my favorite scenes is when she's at that chess tournament in uh, I believe it's Mexico. And she's up against the little boy, and she keeps, like, walking around to sort of psych him out. Yeah. Um, that was my, one of my favorite scenes of the entire show. I thought it was very well done in a comedic sense, even though the scene isn't supposed to be comedic. It's supposed to be quite dramatic. It's like, oh, my God, what's, what is Beth doing? But to me, it was quite funny in how she just, like, kept getting up, and she was staring this kid down. Uh, and she's got just, quite the intense stare. He just, yeah. Her eyes, my gosh. Um, who did she remind me of? Well, um, oh gosh, there was some actress I was, I can't think of her now, but while I was watching it, and I was like, she really reminds Oh, Emma yeah. Stone sometimes reminds yeah. me of Emma Stone. Um, yeah. yeah, all that poor kid wants is to, to go to a drive in, <laughs> which I mean, it, it, it really emphasizes too how different the 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 chess prodigy upbringing is in the Soviet Union as a, as opposed to America, and it, it it really I think was a sobering moment for Beth, which is ironic considering <laughs> uh, considering her mother dies that, not too yeah, yeah. <laughs> not too far out from that, but yeah. Um, just to go back, I I I totally get it. yeah. I think I started to relate to her with those um those girls as well. You know them knowing a song or, you know, people you go to high school with always knowing a movie and, and that you always feel like you're 10 steps behind because you don't know that new thing, that new trend. Um, yeah. I could totally relate to that because, like, when she's sitting there not knowing the song lyrics, oh, my gosh, the amount of times people would sing, you know, One Direction songs and I wouldn't know them. <laughs> yeah. Or even even because, like, I did not date at all when I was in high school because – well, A, because I was a baby gay and no, and I didn't realize it, but also there was nobody in my school who interested me in that way. So um, when the girls were asking Beth, you know, what about the boys in chess? Like, what what about them? Like, trying to find some in. And Beth being like, eh, they're, they're, they're fine. I think that was, that was where I was like, oh, you poor thing. I'm so sorry. I know exactly... I know exactly how this feels, like, watching my friends pair off, especially when I was in high school, like, with guys, and I'd be like, okay, well, 
I'm I'm also here. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> yeah, it's such a an interesting time because there's so many of those coming of age um, films and shows, and it, and it's interesting that they haven't really shown that before and it's really sad because I think that's the main thing that I went through too in high school and I mean there must be if there's you and me there must be more people out there because because um there must be a community of people that don't have the perfect John Hughes high school experience you know oh no the John Hughes high school experience (laughs) is so doctored and fake (laughs) And it is as much a fairy tale as Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody who has the perfect John Hughes high school experience, I want to know where you got that yeah. secret sauce. Because that is not the experience. What part of America of, are you living in? Yeah, precisely. <laughs> like, that is not the experience of the average everyday high schooler, especially one who considers themselves to be a little more of a quote-unquote weirdo than the yeah. other kids. Yeah. So I'm really happy I'm I'm the age kind of just finishing off my head like, you know, a couple of years now after being out of high school to see all this stuff like Lady Bird and the Queen's Gambit. And I'm really happy I, I wasn't like my mom and, and being a teenager during the John Hughes things because I would feel so alone and isolated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thousand percent. So um, I wanted to talk about each character a little bit, but what did you think of, um, first of all, um, Benny? That's Thomas Brody Sangster's Oh, Benny. I have conflicting feelings about Benny. I wasn't sure about him at the start. I was like, wow, you're so weird. Like, why is (laughs) he some sort of... He's he's like (laughs) on a knife and he's wearing this cowboy hat. I just don't understand. Um, But I... As we got to know him more, I came around to him more, especially in in the speed chess scene where he keeps beating Beth, but then she turns it around on him a couple like an episode later, and she's mm. the one beating him. Um, I really yeah, I started to come around game. to him there, I and love I think those. sorry, yes, no, it's okay. I think too that of the romantic possibilities that Beth could have had, he was definitely the best choice for her because he he understood her on a on a intellectual level that the others didn't quite but i liked that the show didn't hinge on the fact that beth had to end up with somebody at the end of it um you know she had her relationship with um with Perry and she had her relationship with Benny and she had this very big like young girl crush on Peter um but that wasn't that wasn't the be all end all of it um especially my favorite scene one of my favorite scenes I keep saying it but one of my favorite scenes is when she's in Russia at the very end and Benny calls her and he's got like the whole gang around yeah. him and they're talking through all the different possibilities I think it's a little late in the game but that was when I really really took a shine to Benny because even after how he and Beth left things he was still willing to help her be the best that she could be I think that that was so well done yeah, I found, like, at the beginning, I thought he was going to maybe take advantage of her, and it was going to go into a really bad way, um, but I found that she was very hard on him, and, and like everything that seemed to happen to her, I always found that when she was in the most tricky situation, there's always someone there to kind of pull her up out of it and, like, continue on with life, and I thought that that was always interesting, how there was always somebody picking, picking herself, uh, helping pick herself up, 
Um, and he definitely does that for her at the end of the, the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the spirit of community is so strong in this in this show because Bess constantly has people around here who are willing to help her be the best that she can be, whether it's Mr. Scheibel, whether it's her mom, whether it's Benny or Harry. People are always willing to help her be the best that she can be, whether or not that comes at a personal sacrifice for them. That's a different story, but the fact that she built, she goes from having nobody around her to having this community around her that just wants to see her succeed is really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because even at the start with Jolene, um, who is her her friend in the orphanage, I mean, she's a real lifesaver for her and 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 helps her, you know, throughout her whole really tween years, I guess you'd say, after her mother's yeah. death. And, and it's interesting, I loved it when she'd come back again. It was kind of an all-full circle with Mr. Scheibel dying and going to the funeral. And that's the first time I really started seeing her have emotion. Because um, she was kind of emotionless throughout the show until that Mr. Yeah. Scheibel scene. And I thought that, that was interesting, too, like a full circle. Because um, there is a scene when, uh, I don't know if it was, a, I guess it was a flashback, when he is playing chess with her at the start of the show, and he says, like, you have a lot of anger inside of you, and how that anger kind of could just be released at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that, you know, not to sound completely corny or cheesy, but in order for her to break through that last sort of mental barrier that she had to becoming a full human who has real emotions and feelings, she needed to lose... Mr. Scheibel. Because I feel like that was the one thing tying her to that very dark place in her childhood where this sort of stemmed from. And I think when one of the most powerful scenes for me was when she went back to the orphanage and went down to the basement and saw that he kept all of these newspaper clippings and all of these different stories about her and that he still had that letter pinned on his board from when she asked him for some money so she could enter her first competition that broke my heart in the best way and I think it really emphasizes for Beth how much people believe in her like even if she isn't believing in herself she has people who are counting on her and people who are believing in her and that is what pulls her through at the end of the day it, Mr. Scheibel becomes such an important character, even though you brush him off after the first episode. I feel like, along with Beth, you kind of forget about him and leave him by the wayside. But then when he, he, when he comes back in his death, it makes it all the more powerful. It's just, it's so yeah. well done. Yeah, because I was like, oh my gosh, you're going to just, you know, slide through this like you do throughout life and just be like, you know, smiling at his funeral. And, and it was really important for them to have that scene after his funeral because I thought... She owes him so much. I mean, he's the start of the reason why she's here today, and and she needs to give him a bit of credit. <laughs> yeah, and she does at the end, which is mm-hmm. which is wonderful, um, as sort of like a last little tribute to him. And I always consider the end of the show now that I've seen it twice. I've always considered that final scene of her sitting down across from that guy in that Russian chess park. That actor does look slightly like the guy mm-hmm. who played Mr. Scheibel. I don't know if it's the same actor. I don't think it is. But they've cast somebody who looks enough like him that one could see it as an older version of Beth playing against a like alternate universe version of Mr. Scheibel. And it's an excellent full circle moment. And it's just, it was so well done. Yeah. 
That's what uh, I keep saying about the show. It's, this is so well done. It's because it is. Yeah. Um, just quickly back to Benny a bit. Um, I, yeah, I had a hard time with this character until the end as well. Um, I, I, I like Thomas Birdie Sangster. I always think it's so funny how he still looks like a little child. But yes. But he's like 30 this, now. This, really this mustache does not help him. This no. mustache is so bad. I really hope he shaved it after the show. I, because I just, really hope so. It just makes him look like somebody, like, like this little kid playing pretend. It doesn't help him at all. I it's think it so might have taken him, like, two years to grow that. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I, I kind of always laughed when he came on, on quite honestly. I was like, aren't you, aren't you 12? Like, <laughs> yeah. Because I know him mostly from... I know him mostly from Game of Thrones when he was on Game of Thrones. Um, right. That and I I went back and I watched Love Actually for the first time a couple of years ago, and I was like, oh yeah, wow, he's really baby in that movie. Um, he's just a little Has guy. Has he changed much? <laughs> but actually. His, his face is the exact same. Yeah. Um, and of course, he was in the Maze Runner movies as well. I think. Um, yeah, but I think again, I saw one of those. Yeah, I mean, I think he might only be in the first one. I can't remember for sure. Um, but the, the the fact that, like, he's done so many roles that are so different, I feel like in an effort to g- mature himself a little bit in the eyes of viewers, but it's always, he's always going to, unless he drastically changes his appearance, he's always going to look yeah. like he's 12 years old. I know. How sad. I feel kind of bad for him. He's got, like, that... That syndrome where you always look like a child, and then all of a sudden you look really old. Oh, the day he looks really old, like he's going to disappear for a couple years, and he's going to look completely different, and I'm going to be like, wait, you're that kid? Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I I really liked, I thought it was interesting how, because he was a gambling addict, uh, how he lived in such a shit apartment in New York. Like, basically, I don't even know, some concrete basement didn't even have windows, and how he could have, like, lived in such a great New York apartment. I was very, I was shocked by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's a really, it's a really humbling thing too. I think it really brings in the point that Benny doesn't care about the winnings. He doesn't care about the titles that he's got. He's going to keep working at it because he can't get complacent. And the only way he cannot get complacent is if he treats himself as if he's still starting out. I think it's it's a really interesting choice for his character. I like that it's a basement. I think it fits his... It just You look at that guy and you're like, yeah, he lives in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> With his knife. It's to fend off the New York City rats. Yeah. Those things are huge. <laughs> she has to pump up the bed. How does she even do that seductively? <coughs> I don't even know what's up with her, but she always... Kind of has that sexiness to her. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that's just down to Anya Taylor-Joy. Like, I I could just look at her all day. I just like looking at her. She's just yeah. gorgeous. And I think that, like, obviously camera angles play into this as well. But there's so much sexual tension between Benny and Beth. There's so much sexual tension. Um, from when they're sitting across each other at the chess table to when they're they're communicating with each other and he's helping to train her there's so much tension between them and so i think it's more a case of feeling that rope between them that bond between them pull so taut that you're like when is this going to happen especially because benny was like 
you're not sleeping with me. Like, that's just a rest. That's just foreshadowing that they are going to sleep together at some point. So it's just a matter of waiting mm-hmm. and being like, okay, when are you going to do it? Please put us, put us, no, <laughs> not yourselves, put us out of our agony. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was interesting how somebody that's in a time when, when, you know, women were meant to be housewives and, and barefoot in the kitchen and pregnant. I thought it was interesting how she kind of had all these manly qualities. You know, she's independent. She's making her own money. She's kind of calling the shots in her own life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's kind of seductive to these men. I mean, she kind of has a lot of them wrapped around her finger. And I thought that that's really interesting how, you know, she's living with a guy for a time apart. And, and you know, she's, she's always kind of making her own decisions and choices, which is crazy to think during the, that tent, the 60s. Yeah. yeah, and I really enjoyed, too, how none of the sex scenes were, like, shown and, like, explicit, really. Like, the sex scenes that mattered. Because there's, there's, the, there's the scene where she, like, loses her virginity, which is, I don't, doesn't count. Doesn't <laughs> Who count. Who is that guy? <laughs> like, we, we never see him again. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the sex scenes that, like, it, they're alluded to and they happen, but we never see them. And I think that's really important and really interesting because it 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 does something in taking away like it it, it shows that you know the show is not about the romance at the end of the day. It's about Beth. The show is about Beth and her experiences and her becoming the best chess player she can be. We're not yeah. supposed to be here for the sex. We're not supposed to be here and for any sort of romance. We are here because we care about Beth. And so I think putting that focus back on her and never showing those sex scenes explicitly is really interesting. And I think also shows how detached she is from the whole thing. Um... Because after yeah. the after she sleeps with Harry, it's very sort of cold and detached. And even after she sleeps with Benny, like she like he starts going in to be like, "You should do this in your next match." And she's like, "What are you talking about?" It's it's a very interesting source of detachment that I really yeah. enjoy. She's she's very emotionally detached. I, I I thought that sometimes she well a lot of the time she was very cold, and I thought. That was very interesting how she never wanted to get close to anyone, too close. And, and uh, especially with men, like usually, you know, when you, when you sleep with someone for the first time, you, you get attached to them. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very interesting how she uh, is able to remove herself. It's almost like an out-of-body kind of experience. Yeah, and I mean, you're seeing her do that from a very young age. Like, when her mother dies, she's not in hysterics or anything. She fully just, like detaches herself from that situation like her her birth mother in that car accident she she's not in hysterics she's not like like bawling and crying her eyes out she's very quiet and she's very detached and so I think this sort of not getting close to anybody really stems from this idea of her risking losing somebody because you see it she gets so close to Alma as a mother figure and then Alma also yeah. dies. And right. it and it, it it she she regresses back to that closed off, that quiet, that sort of detached version of herself because it's how she copes with stuff. Yeah. It's the only it's, way she knows, yeah. Yeah, it's it's so interesting. Like even just talking about the show, I'm like there's so many, there's so many layers. It makes me want to go back and rewatch it and focus <laughs> on like the tiniest little details and follow them through the course of the show. 
It's so interesting. I, I was surprised how when she did get adopted, she was able to call Alma her mother uh, right away. And I thought that was really interesting because I thought, oh, you like, what about your real mother? And, and I, I thought that was really interesting how she was able to kind of call her mother. Yeah, I think I think that's partially because she lost her mom at such a young age and her, her mom, her birth mom had her own, had her own issues going on. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't really time for her to develop an intelligent attachment beyond this is the person who birthed me. I think That's that there's true, yeah. a, there's a different from a dif- difference between the biological attachment between Beth and her birth mother and the intellectual and emotional attachment between Beth and Alma. And I think that that emotional and intellectual attachment is so strong immediately because Alma, I think because Beth sees a version of herself in Alma into what as like what society would expect her to be like get married give up any sort of dreams of playing chess in the big world be this perfect housewife for a husband who doesn't care about you which again her own her own father sort of went through the same thing with her mother though reverse slightly because again there's a whole stuff there that we don't see uh, because we are here with Beth. We are seeing this through Beth's eyes. So I think the the attachment between Alma and and Beth is so important. And I wasn't surprised when she was able to call Alma mom first off. Because she's old enough to know the difference. But also mm-hmm. old enough to know that this is something that Alma needs. I think. Yeah, yeah I, I thought it was interesting. I, um we don't really know what happens, but Al- Alma and her husband obviously lose a child. And, of course, we don't know. We never find out really more than that because Beth doesn't see it because she wasn't around at that time. But I thought that was really interesting, too, how, how this woman, you know, all she ever wanted to do was be a pianist. And then she gets roped into getting married, and that doesn't obviously work out, and she has kids. And then she becomes a dependent on, on um, pills and alcohol. And it's just so sad. Yeah, it's it's heartbreaking. Alma's easily one of the most heartbreaking characters in television this past year. And I Marielle Heller does such a good job with the role. I've never seen Marielle Heller in anything either. I'd never heard of her before, but she did so good with this role. She nailed all of the comedy, the awkwardness, the dramatic bits. She she did such a good job with the role and being a support for Beth, Beth's first true like cheerleader, it's mm. she's she was so good. Yeah, I I thought at first, um, I thought, hey, is she gonna like use her for her money? That's kind of what I was thinking. You know, she's gonna use her to get ahead, but then she didn't end up doing that. Um, You're always um, assuming the worst of these I know. characters. I'm thinking the Benny's worst. gonna take advantage yeah. of Beth. Alma's gonna take advantage of Beth. No, I don't <laughs> know is- why. I thought it was going to be much, much darker than it was, and I'm really happy that Alma didn't use... I know it's not funny. Also, I didn't think I knew who Marielle Heller was either, but she... Um, I don't know if you saw it, but she was the director of um, Mr. Uh, Rogers. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. well, so I'm going to have to go and check that movie out. I haven't seen it yet. Oops. <laughs> Well, I didn't think she acted, so I think that's interesting that she's able to do um, 
both the acting and directing. But yeah, I, I thought she was really good. I loved the whole uh, when she'd be holding a martini and and I loved in the end when um, not the end, but when she dies and Beth kind of gives her a send off with the martini glass. I thought that was really neat. Mm-hmm. It was a good full circle moment, even though it's the start of Beth's spiral. Not necessarily the, yeah. the like start of like the big down. spiral, but it's definitely the beginning of a spiral. Now, did you know that the guy that plays, I think it's Harry, Henry Malcolm. Dudley Dursley. Potter? Dudley yeah, Dursley. Yeah. As soon as I saw him, I was like, Dudley Dursley, what are you doing in this movie? Yeah. <laughs> that was such a fun little, because I haven't seen him in anything since Harry Potter. No, me neither. So it, I, it caused me to really do a double take because he's lost so much weight. I know. Um, he looks completely different. And it's so good to see him doing something. It's so good to see him doing yeah. something. And he did a, such a good job as Harry. He was so good. He nailed all of the awkwardness and the, like, this, like, harboring this crush on Beth for so long and working through that and the relationship not working out but still being friends. Like, it's... It was so good to see him doing something that wasn't Dudley. <laughs> yes. And it's so good to see that he has range. And I really hope, I really desperately hope he gets more work off of this show because he's so good and he needs to be in more stuff. I need to see more of his stuff right now. And maybe he's been in more stuff over in the UK and I just haven't known, but I need to see him in more stuff on this side of the pond. Yeah, I, he was actually, I have to say, one of my favorite, or my favorite character. I, I thought he was just really just kind and and really loyal to Beth and he just was pure goodness <laughs> yeah yeah and even when he when she, like in that first tournament in that first game they play against each other like it's so cool to watch him go through realizing that this little this this teenage girl has him beat and it's 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 so interesting to see him come back later. I wasn't expecting him to come back in the way that he did. No. So the fact that he did was really really great. Um, I he was the one at the beginning that was like yawning, right when they were playing chess. I yes. Think yeah. Him. Yeah. It was because it was it was his teeth. Beth mentions like he fixed yeah. his, he got his teeth fixed. He was always like running his tongue over his teeth or, like, smacking his teeth or something like that. He, and they were, Beth was like, yeah, they were really distracting. <laughs> um, yeah, and he thought, you know, he'd be able to beat her, and then he doesn't. So he, like, spends all his time, like, really studying up. And the fact that he gets to help her later, I think, is a really nice. The show is full of so many full circle moments, and it's so interesting to watch them all play out and how they develop. Well, it's interesting that there isn't, besides Beth, any, like, main other staple character. Like, when there was the promotional pictures for this movie, I thought Thomas Brody Sangster was going to be in, like, every episode. But just like someone's life, people come in and out of your lives um, at different times and different stages. And I, I like that they weren't always in every episode together. Yeah. No, I think that's really, really great. Because, I mean, I, as somebody who's done different competitions in her life, like music festivals, drama festivals, etc. Like you have friends or people that you know, acquaintances that mm -hmm. you see once a year at these things or like once every few months at stuff. And that's how you know them. And that's how you associate them. So, and obviously in this, 
now we have Facebook and Instagram and stuff. So you'd be like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll follow this person on Facebook, keep up with mm-hmm. them. Um, but back then you didn't have social media. So it was like, oh, wow, okay, Betty's here. Great. Yeah. Just what I wanted. Um, so the fact that all of the characters are sort of continuously circling each other is they, they all operate in the same sort of orbits around Beth, but they don't at the same time. Um, and they're all off doing their own thing and then they come in and they're out and they're in and they're out. Mm-hmm. It's really, really interesting. And again, it, it's, I think the reason that they aren't so heavily in the show, the other people is again, this is about Beth and this is her story and we're going to be focusing on her and we're not going to be flitting off to see what, what Benny's been doing and what his story is. And we're not going to go and see what Harry's story is. We're not going to know what really Jolene has been up to besides what we find out about her when she comes back. It's it's really interesting to only get exposed to what Beth sees. And again, I'd be interested to read the book to see how much of the point of view is from Beth yeah. specifically. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see this in other people's point of views. Like I would have liked some more flashbacks of Beth's real mother, just to see what her downfall was all about. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I'd like to, to see, see the yeah. the origin of the relationship between Beth's parents, I think. Yes. would be yeah. really interesting to see. And how that devolved. Because obviously it's a very messy situation. Oh my gosh. At the end, at the end of the relationship, which we don't... We see the end of the relationship, but not seeing the beginning of it is yeah. always something that fascinates me. I don't want to say irks me, but it's something that fascinates me because you see it gets so toxic and you know there must have been a point at some point where they these two people did feel so attracted to each other and were in love with each other. What was that downfall like? I would have really loved to see more on Beth's parents, but I understand why we probably didn't because we don't have time. This is no. Beth's story and we are only yeah. focusing on her and what she remembers. Yes, of course, because you don't, you just remember little, little segments. And I thought it was interesting how the mother always kind of played tests. And I don't know if she did that on, on uh, her, her, Beth's dad, but she kind of played tests on Beth, you know, by swimming in the water and scaring her daughter, almost thinking that she's drowning and then her coming up on the other side and then coming back. And it almost felt like, are you testing your daughter for being, living on your own and, and being independent and not needing her? That's what it seemed like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think those sections with Beth's mom was really interesting it, and sort of always foreshadowing that, you know, she's going to have to depend on herself one of these mm-hmm. days. And it's, and it's not going to be easy and she's going to be scared, but she's going to have to do it. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, I, I wish I could get in Alice Harmon's mind and <laughs> see, see what was going on in there. Yeah, my gosh. That, that'll be a messy one. <laughs> yeah, that would be pretty messy, huh? <laughs> do, do you think the, the pills that Beth took and, like, all the alcohol, do you think that they made her a better chess player, or do you think she was, like, a good good chess player without needing that? Oh, that's tricky. <laughs> yeah. That's tricky, because I think, I think it's a placebo effect situation for a majority of the, for a majority of the show. Like, she gets introduced to them when she's so young, but then she outgrows them. But she continues to take stuff because it's a it's a placebo effect situation. She thinks it makes her better, and therefore she relies on them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so we see that she's just as good, nay, better 
when she is sober. Um, and the re and the reason she loses that second match to Borgov is because she was so hungover, and needs to make that change and it's not working for her anymore and it's not because you know she's she's she it's lost its touch it's because she has outgrown the need for it and it's more of a hindrance than a help mm. i think i think there was a time that maybe it did help her focus and quiet her mind because if you're that intelligent i'm sure your mind's going at a million miles a second but i think as she gets older it does more harm than good yeah she doesn't and you need see to that. be dependent on it yeah yeah, in her struggle with addiction, we clearly see, and that sort of, and I think that's not as, not speaking as somebody who's never experienced addiction myself, and not really knowing anybody who's experienced addiction, but I think, you know, people fall into that complacency hole of, like, this is something I've relied on all my life, but also, I've, I've been in places before where this makes me feel better, and so my brain associates this with feeling better about something, or feeling focused around something, um, but when it starts to be a detriment, then it's time to make that change. And yeah. Beth does. Yeah. And she's also very vulnerable to it because I found that right away she has a very addictive personality. I mean, she's addicted to chess. Uh, she's addicted to buying these nice clothes. You know, she's addicted to alcohol. And, and it's just very interesting how... Um, they show it in every area of her life, not just, you know, she's sometimes addicted to this one person, um, even though she doesn't want to attach herself to them. Or and the idea a of a person. Yes, the idea. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very interesting how she gets herself in those routines um, and then is able to overcome it at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, uh, the, the addiction, the addiction side of it and how multi-layered her addiction goes is so fascinating to me and it's it's something I think that can serve as something really powerful for people who have struggled with addiction in the past again I've never experienced it I don't know anybody directly as far as I know who's experienced addiction at this level but I think it's a really interesting take especially not it, I feel like it could it almost very nearly falls into the trap of romanticizing it but then it pulls itself out of that it's just like Beth pulls herself out of the addiction because it's not what she wants to be anymore yeah yeah I totally agree and I don't I don't know anybody personally that has suffered from addiction either but uh, I hope that it was portrayed accurately for people that are watching it that uh, know someone or or have been in the past addicted yeah. Uh, I hope it was portrayed accurately. Yes, me too. And I mean, I haven't heard any backlash about it, so yeah. no news is good news, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, um, before the final judgment, I have some some fun facts about the show. Yeah. If you want to hear some. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, this was the most watched limited series ever on Netflix. Uh, apparently, maybe you were one of them. I was not. There were 62 million viewers in less than a month. That would have been November, I believe. Yes, I did watch this. And I did watch, it came out in mid to late October, I do believe. Um, and I watched it. I started watching it, um, in November. And actually when I started watching it, I like took the hour and I watched it and I sat down and I wasn't looking at my phone because I was watching it on my phone. And then when I 
clocked back into my phone, my phone was blowing up because it had been declared that Joe Biden had won the election. So that tells you exactly, oh <laughs> exactly when I was watching it. Um, <laughs> wow, what a good moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I was, I was one of the households that watched it within the first month. My dad certainly was. Uh, and we have a family account. So, yeah. Wow, that that's that's really interesting. Yeah, I, um, I remember it was number one on the top tens of for of Netflix so long, for so long. Yeah, and it only got like overtaken by Bridgerton. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, like you said, chess has definitely skyrocketed in, in popularity recently. Everyone that was like the number one Christmas gift I think was buying uh, buying a chessboard for somebody, and. Yeah. Um, Apparently, the show was actually never filmed in any of the locations that they pretended it was. It was filmed uh, actually here in Canada, a lot of it, in Ontario and uh, Berlin. Well, that, that makes sense, I think, because, you know, yeah. um, Netflix has a very good relationship with filming in Canada, a lot of their stuff. Um, but also, you know, you can... Sound stages are a wonderful thing, and I'm sure Ontario has plenty of them. Um, but Berlin is also very interesting, especially since they don't spend any time in Germany. So I have to wonder if that's substituted for Paris and or Moscow, the exteriors especially. Yes. And I think the zoo for sure that she was at uh, was in Berlin. Ah, the zoo, yes. Yeah. Um, apparently, this series was actually supposed to be a movie. Uh, it was supposed to come out in 2008, and it was going to be the director of directorial debut of Heath Ledger uh which is crazy and Elliot Page was gonna play um Beth oh wow mm. that's interesting I mean yeah. I can't now now that I know Beth as well as I do via Anya Taylor-Joy I can't see anybody else playing Beth and she does such a good job but it's that's wild that it could have been very very different and I don't think people would have given as much of a shit. I'm going to be honest. I don't think yeah. people would have cared as much. But because because we're all in quarantine and because we're all just sitting at home watching Netflix anyway, I think it's made so much more of an impact. Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that. Like, if this movie would have been as big if it didn't come out during a pandemic. Um, and mm-hmm. I think it would have. It was a big show. And it was something. it was something so different from what had previously come out. And it was something that Netflix did a very good job promoting as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, I, I loved yeah, it so crazy. much. I loved it so much. It was, it was so well done. <laughs> so the costume designer, uh, Gabrielle Binder, um, actually worked with Anya to make the costumes, and now uh, Anya actually has Beth's wardrobe, which is really cool. I hope she wears it all the time, all the clothes. <laughs> yes, I saw. I saw her talking about that. I think on a Colbert interview, and I don't. I think she said that she doesn't wear the pieces because some of them are actual vintage, and she doesn't want to like ruin them. But mm-hmm. some are also so iconic that like she would get recognized a thousand percent if she wore those costumes. Are you kidding me? Um, so yeah. I remember her also. I remember her also saying that you know, peop, like she figured she wouldn't be recognizable at all with masks and hats and winter clothes, but people will still recognize her on the street, and she'll be like, "How do you recognize me?" And then she'll remember, "Oh yeah, of course." There are seven hours of television where the camera's like this on your eyes for the entire show. Yeah, yeah I know. Oh my gosh. 
Um, also, I think, let me just see here. Um, yeah, Anya Taylor-Joy was the first, like, they wanted her right away. And she joined before she even knew what she was joining for, before uh, there was even a script. And uh, mm-hmm. they just said they wanted her on the show. And um, she was actually the one playing the games of chess, even though she had never played chess or knew nothing about it. And, you know, it was choreographed, and she would learn how to do the games 15 minutes before filming. So it was so fast-paced for her. I would need, like, a night to memorize all that stuff. Ba-doom! Oh, my God. I think I'd need, like, a week. <laughs> yeah. Not just a night is in time, but also a night is in a chess piece. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, like, it, that's so insane. And it shows how much of a quick study she is, like Beth, and how fast she's able to pick it up even knowing nothing about chess it's like okay i move the pointy one here i move the castle one here but also like it it connects her to beth in a really really interesting way yeah i know and and especially during those like fast-paced ones that's oh my god the speed chess i can't imagine learning the speed chess like 15 minutes before you start filming like that's insane Apparently, she was also, while filming The Queen's Gambit, at the same time she was filming Emma and uh, a movie called Last Night in Soho, which I've not heard of, um, and it was all at the same time, and in between each project, she had one day off. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Just going from one to the other. What character whiplash, like, going between a movie Back like to Emma. Emma to, yeah. Yeah, oh like, that's so god. insane. Biz- hardest working woman. Wasn't she the first woman to be nominated for both a limited series and a movie at the Golden Globes? I think so, yeah. I remember hearing about that. And obviously she didn't win for Emma, which I didn't think she would, uh, because that category was tough. But as soon as I saw she was nominated for Best Limited Series, I was like, well, she's going to get Best Actress for Best Limit- for Limited Series because The Queen's Gambit is The Queen's yeah. Gambit. She was incredible in that. It's There's no competition there. And um, also, Benny's character, played by uh, Thomas, was actually a little bit based off of um, a chess grandmaster, Bobby Fischer, um, who won this the biggest mm. game at 13, apparently, which I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, that name sounds oddly familiar. I mean, I am familiar with the musical Chess, uh, which uh, is, is a fun time. It's written by uh, Benny and Bjorn of ABBA fame and also Tim Rice. Um, so the, no, I'm thinking of Freddie Trumper. Sorry, uh, that's the, he was the, that 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 musical takes place, you know, in the chess tournament world, but it's in the '80s, so really at the peak of the Cold War, um, Americans yeah. versus Russians again. But it's very it's a very different situation. But there's a concert version of it under the name of Checkers, where it has Josh Groban, Anthony Rapp, uh, Kelly Carrie Ellis, and Indina Menzel. All in the main oh, cast. Okay. Um, I highly recommend looking it up if you can. That's where the song One Night in Bangkok comes from, actually. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, my gosh. I, that was my first sort of association with the with the game of chess. So it's funny how these sort of stories repeat themselves and how we're so fascinated by these not only these stories of chess in terms of a competition, but specifically Americans versus Russians and using it as an allegory. Yeah, I think it's it's really interesting how they keep looping back to it. Yeah, that's true. Um, and just to quickly go back one more time with the, the amazing costume designer Gabrielle Binder, uh, apparently she also incorporated 
um, the chessboard in Beth's wardrobe. Um, there's a picture here on my screen, so it, it's hard to see, but she wears one pink coat and uh, there's checkers all around it. And, you know, she's sitting mm -hmm. in it. It's really amazing how the everyone seemed to work on this show. Like, they seemed to just work together to make all this, these brilliant ideas and to make it, like, things I wouldn't have even noticed until looking it up. And it's just amazing how they put so much effort in this show. Yeah, like, I, the effort leaped out at me as soon as I started the show, but I didn't really clue into a lot of the costume elements and a lot of the smaller details until my second watch through, because the first time I was just absorbing everything. I was just going through it with Beth, but um, the second time around, I definitely noticed the costume design a lot more, and uh, incorporating the chessboard and all of these square geometric patterns are so clever. And it's, it's a really good way of tracking not only fashion history throughout the years, but also Beth's journey as a chess player. Yes. Yeah. Um, also, a couple more here. Anya is apparently a huge Harry Potter fan, so working with uh, Henry Melling, she was like constantly asking him <laughs> questions and freaking out and... And he was graciously okay with answering all of her, her questions throughout oh, the days of set, so that's nice. <laughs> that's so sweet. I love that. I mean, he's got to expect it whenever he goes anywhere at this point, right? That's like what... He, he worked on that movie series for as long yeah. as Daniel Radcliffe. Not to the same extent, but, you know, they sort of grew up together on, on those movies. So he, he's been through it, too. Yeah, well, I don't know if you know this, but Anne is actually from Buenos Aires, and uh, she learned how to speak English by reading uh, the Harry Potter books, which is so cool. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I, I've i always assumed she was more from, um, you know, cross the pond, um, just as, as the way she sounds, but I, know, I didn't really know she was from Buenos Aires. It's so cool that she, like, learned how to speak English through those books. It's so awesome. Yeah. I know. Uh, should we move on to the final judgment? I think it's time. Okay, so I think I know what your answer is going to be, but did the Queen's Gambit move you or not? It did. I mean, it's impossible, I think, for this show not to move you. If this show doesn't move you, you don't have a soul. It's, <laughs> it's, I felt so good at the end, like, at the end of the series. Like, I felt so it felt right the way that it ended and everything was so carefully plotted out and so wonderfully executed that nothing felt forced or cheaped out on it all just flowed so perfectly and i can't i can't recommend the show enough yes yeah i mean yes it it, it moved me um i loved the first thing that like i would recommend when i'd say people should watch it is I would just tell them about the amazing costumes and the set design and how even the department store looks like you're in a 1960s department store and, and just how amazing all the characters look in the costumes and how amazing the characters act together. Um, of course, Anya Taylor-Joy is amazing in this role um, and it's really cool how she got to win a Golden Globe, like you said, while being nominated for Emma. Um, she's very captivating in her performance as Beth uh, I think just everybody did such an excellent job, and it, they just pull it off so well. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's so unique, and, and it's great to see a woman being play, playing a man's game in a man's world, especially since there, the, it was a man's world in the 60s, and 
her playing chess and being good at it and beating, you know, all these men. It's it's a really interesting. It's like a sport, and I never thought of chess that way. But uh, after watching this, I have much more appreciation for the game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I could never do it. I don't think I'll be a grandmaster anytime soon. <laughs> but I have immense, immense amount of respect for those who are able to play the game that way because I could never. I do not have that many brain cells. No. No, no. I, I mean, the the idea of having to think always like 10 steps ahead, it's so exhausting. And then she's able to do that, you know, simultaneously while also playing with like 12 other people at the same time. It's crazy. Absolutely nuts. Can't imagine doing it. I mean, Anya, Anya must be very intelligent if she's able to, because th- this isn't just something you can pretend to pull off and, and you know, half-ass learn. No. She'd have to know so well. Can't imagine doing it. Love to watch it. <laughs> well, thank you for coming back on the show. I hope we'll do another, uh, like, show again. I love doing series with you. <laughs> thank you. I, it, you know, it's always fun to do them, and we'll have to... We'll have to uh, see what comes out in the, in the next little while. I know that, um, not to pitch you something on on the air, but I'm really looking. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to um, Shadow and Bone, which comes out on April twenty third. Uh, it's based off of one of my favorite book series from when I was younger and even now, and it looks like it's a really faithful adaptation. I'm really, really excited mm. about it. So, is it uh, animated? It is. is a, it? It's a live action okay. show. It's think. Think Avatar The Last Airbender, but young adult and Russian fantasy. Oh, that sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. I, I, do I, should I read the book beforehand? If you can, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little bit of a tricky situation. So I'd, I'd recommend yeah. doing a little bit of research first before you decide to yeah. read any books. Oh, that's cool. Okay, I'm, I'm definitely going to check. You said April 23rd? April 23rd. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming back. Of course. And thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to click the subscribe button.